Chase Cal- Chase Calhoun. Um, guys, welcome to RUF. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is I see. Uh, my name's Lewis Lovett. I'm the RUF campus minister. If I haven't met you yet, especially if you're a new student or new to RUF, please introduce yourself. I would love, I would love to meet you. Uh, my wife Maggie is here. This is Maggie. She's totally wonderful. I also want to make sure. Uh, yeah, you'll see. We have we have four daughters. Uh, who you may see running around causing trouble and being super cute at various times around. Uh, they will enjoy you thinking they're awesome a little too much, and it'll be really hard for us as parents, so thank you for that. Uh, I want to make sure you also know Ann Beverly, who's right. Ann Bev's going to wave. Ann Bev is uh, on staff with RUF. It's her second year here at WNL. She's a graduate of Virginia Tech Go Hokies, as I've been instructed to say. Uh, I don't know what a Hokie is. Nobody does, but we say Go Hokies. And uh, if, if you are... Um, Especially if you're a freshman girl and you're looking for someone to connect in with RUF, Ann Bev would be a great person to talk to. We like to, we like to hang out with students. We like to get coffee at Lexco a lot. We like to eat lunch. We like to eat treats at various times of the day. If you'd like to do that, hang out, talk about life, talk about God, talk about faith, talk about school, we would, we would really enjoy that. I've been looking forward to tonight all summer um, because it, it is a sweet reminder to me. I, I don't know what your experience is, but it's easy to come on this campus. And if you have any inkling of wanting to think about faith or to think about God, uh, it's easy to think, uh, I'm the only one. Uh, especially if you're a new student, if you've just gotten here, you've been through a week, you're looking around, am I the only one who cares about this? Well, if you look around tonight, you will realize, uh, no, you are not the only one. Uh, I, I love this community. I'm so glad to be a part of it with you tonight. I'm glad that you're here. If, if you're wondering what RUF is, it's a community. It's a group of students uh, who love each other and who love this campus and who are trying to love each other and to love this campus in response to God's great love for us. And so everything that we do, uh, we do to, to build up our community uh, in a way that exposes us to the realities of God's love for us in Christ uh, and helps us, to love, helps us to love others. It means that the RUF is for Christians. It's for people who have faith, and it's for people who don't really know what that means and aren't really sure what they believe. It means it's for those of you who are convinced, and it's for those of you who are skeptics. It's for people with doubts and questions of all kinds about life and faith and God and what is this all about. And so what we're trying to do is to be a kind of community that trusts each other enough, that loves each other enough, that we can actually be honest about the questions that we have, about the struggles that we have, about the doubts that we have. Of course, of course we all we all have them. This is a safe place to do that. Uh, my guess is that some of you are here, and you're just, you're just pumped. Coming to your first RUF, this year you're just going to kill it. Your, your friends are awesome. Organic chemistry is just going to lay down with your first punch. You know, It's going to be awesome. Uh, some of you had a, a rough summer or a tough freshman year. Or maybe high school was not what you wanted it to be, and you were really hoping that this year, this semester, is when things are gonna, things are gonna turn around, when things are gonna finally come together. Some of you are, are are here. You just got here, and you're already wondering, do I really belong here? This place is insane. Is there a place for me here? Some of you are so hungry to grow in your faith. Some of you have been here ten days. You've already made the biggest mistake you've ever made in your whole life, and you're wondering, what do I do now? Where do I go from here? I I don't know where you are as you come tonight, but I I think no matter where you are, we we have a common desire that what we want is for our life in college to be a life of meaning, to be a life of purpose, 
to be a life of community and friendship, for it to matter, for it to go somewhere good. We, we all want life to look like that. My, I, to, to tell you a little bit about myself, one of my favorite books growing up is the Roald Dahl classic, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, you, may have, you may have read the book. You may have seen one of the movies. The old one is the only good one. Uh, but this is a movie about this incredible chocolate factory run by a man named Willy Wonka. And it's kind of shrouded in mystery. No one ever goes in. No one ever comes out. The gates are closed. But out of the doors, these trucks carry away every day the most delectable and delicious treats you can imagine. But nobody knows where it comes from. Uh, and word gets out that amongst all the millions of chocolate bars that get sent out all over the world, that in five chocolate bars have been hidden five golden tickets. And if you get a golden ticket, if you open up your candy bar and you get a golden ticket, you, you are invited for a day into the chocolate factory with Willy Wonka himself. You get a private tour. You get to spend all day. And then when you leave, you get a lifetime supply of chocolate. And so the world goes crazy because everybody wants these golden tickets. And they start to be found. And the main character of this book is this boy named Charlie. And Charlie is the sweetest, nicest boy. He's got the maturity of like a 40-year-old. And he's, he's poor. He has nothing. He lives in a one-room house with his parents and all four of his grandparents who sleep in the only bed together in the middle of the room. And, and Charlie uh, walks past the candy stores in town and he sees all the rich kids getting all the candy and he just sighs and it's all he wants in the world to have something special like this happen to him. But he doesn't have any money. There's no way he's ever going to be able to afford his own chocolate bar. Well, his birthday comes along and his grandparents scrape together enough money for him to get his own Wonka bar. And they hand him his bar. I mean, you just want him to get that golden ticket so bad. I mean, who deserves it more than sweet Charlie? I mean, he's such a good guy and he doesn't have anything. He's much more well, you know, well-behaved than these crazy kids who are getting their parents to like buy hundreds and hundreds and thousands of bars in the hopes of finding a golden ticket. And his hand is just shaking as he takes the bar. And he holds his breath and he peels back a teeny corner and then he peels back a little more and finally he, st- he strips down the paper and he looks inside, and it's just chocolate. And he's flooded with disappointment. This is what college can feel like. Like we come to this place and we have expectations. I mean, this is the greatest four years of your life, right? It's going to be amazing. It's just memories. It's legacy. It's epic. It's awesome. You're just going to crush it. It's going to be amazing. Uh, and we get flooded with disappointment when we realize, wait, I'm still lonely. Wait, I'm still anxious. Wait, I'm not the best anymore. It, it happens to us every, every weekend, too, right? We go, you go out to a party, and you open the wrapper, and you think, man, this is gonna, I'm just going to have this epic time. I'm going to make memories. Everything is going to be awesome. Uh, and then you realize, well, I just had these superficial connections, and I hung out with people, and everybody was nice, but do I have any friends? And you wake up with a headache the next day, and we're flooded with disappointment, Right? We want, we want life. We want, to, we want to find a golden ticket. We want a life of meaning, a life of purpose, a life of joy, right? And the good news is, is that that's actually what you're made for. And that, and that the, the God of the universe wants you to have a life like that. We're going to look today at, at John 1. We're going to spend this whole semester going through uh, parts of the book of John. We're not going to be able to cover everything Unfortunately, because there's a lot of amazing stuff. But we're going to spend the next 11 weeks going through parts of John. And we're going to be asking this, this question. Uh, what kind of life is offered to us in Jesus? Because the claim of John 1, I'm going to read it in just a minute. The claim 
is that in Jesus, the, the eternal word, the Son of God the Father has come into this world. And, and what you'll hear me read in a second is this. And in him was life. We'll get to John 3 and we'll read that Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. At the very end of John, John gives us kind of a purpose statement. He says, here's why I wrote these down. So you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah and by believing you may have life. Jesus came to give you life. And so the challenge for us is, do you want to find your life in Jesus or are you going to look for it somewhere else? If you have your Bible or your handout or a mobile device, it'd be great for you to have John 1 in front of you. I'm going to read verses 1 through 18. It's kind of a long passage, so stick with me if you can. John 1, 1 through 18 says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everything, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God. Who is at the Father's side? He has made him known. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he loves us. Would you pray with me, please, and then we'll keep going. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful for this night. I'm grateful to see these faces in this room. I'm grateful for the ways that you have provided for us already this semester. Uh, That we're still here. We've made it through O-Week. We've made it through the beginning of classes. We're still here. Thank you that you promised that you'll be with us. Spirit, I pray that you'd be at work right now in our hearts through your word so that we might love you more and love each other. pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Jesus came to give us life. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to look uh, briefly at what kind of life he came to give us. And then what we're going to do is we're going to spend the whole rest of the semester going through John unpacking what this life is that Jesus offers us. The, the whole uh, basis of this passage is in verse 14 of my message tonight, where Jesus says, where, where, sorry, where John says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, when you hear that word dwelt among us, it's supposed to trigger your imagination back towards the very beginning of the Bible, the second book of the Bible in Exodus. I don't know if you're familiar with this story, but the people of Israel, this is God's chosen people, uh, ha- have been in a really tough situation. They've, they've become a nation of slaves in the land of Egypt. And in the story of Exodus is God rescuing them. This is the story of the, of the plagues that are sent against Egypt. 
and then Moses leads them out, and, and God parts the Red Sea, and they march across it. You probably you probably heard of that story at least. Uh, and they and they God leads them out into the wilderness, and He gives them the Ten Commandments, and then He gives them instructions on how to build this really special tent called the Tabernacle. And the Tabernacle is important because it goes in the very middle of the community, the very middle of their of their city. And that's where the glory of God goes inside and dwells. Like the actual glory cloud of God's presence goes inside this tent, the tabernacle. In the very middle of their community, in the very center of their daily life, God is actually with them. And so as Jesus comes into the world, and we're reminded of this, the point is that Jesus did not just come into the world to to teach us things. He did not just come into the world uh, to accomplish certain things. He came with a specific purpose to dwell with us, to be with us, to be in our life. So what kind of life does he give us? I want, I want to just talk about three things briefly tonight. Jesus gives us a life of communion, a life of light, and a life of grace. Jesus gives us a life of communion, a life of light, and a light of grace. So first, Jesus gives us a life of, of communion. But when, I hear the word, when you hear the word communion, I don't know what you think of. I, I think of growing up in my church and taking and taking communion. When I say the word communion, I want you to think about the idea of mutual participation with someone else. Mutual participation. It's, it's actually more than just relationship. It's more than talking and listening. It's more than give and take. It's this experience of joined purpose, of joined work, of joined joy. It's life together with someone else. Mutual participation in life together. Uh, the, the very first thing we're told from John about Jesus is, is that he has this kind of life together with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The life of Jesus, the life that Jesus had is a life with God which means that the kind of life Jesus offers you has with-godness in it. It's a life of with-godness. It's a life of mutual participation in Jesus' own life. The illustration that he gives us is the creation of the world, where he says that everything was made through Jesus. So when God created the heavens and the earth, when he spoke the world into existence— The claim of the Bible is that that was done through Jesus. They did it together. They shared in that joy. They shared in that work. They shared in that purpose. And that kind of shared work and purpose of creation is the template that's given for what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. That his life and our life are inseparable. We're all about the same things. We're doing life together. A lot of times when we talk about religion, especially in the Christian faith, we we talk about it in terms of what we believe, right? Right? So if you're a Christian, I'm sure not everyone here tonight is a Christian, but if you're a Christian, it means we believe certain things. We believe that God created the world. We believe that he has spoken to his people over history, that he called out a people. He made promises to them. He was faithful to them in spite of their constant faithlessness to him. We believe that he sent Jesus into the world. We believe that Jesus died on the cross, that that the punishment that we deserve because of our sins was actually laid upon Jesus when he died so that we might be forgiven. We believe that Jesus raised from the dead, conquering death so that we might have new and eternal life in him now and forever. We, we believe these things, right? That's what, you, that's what it means to be a Christian. 
And of course, all these things are true. And of course, belief is essential. But a relationship with Jesus is not about believing stuff. That's about with Godness. And you can talk about all that without experiencing this mutual participation in the life of Jesus. So if you're going through life just thinking that you need to believe the right things, you are not taking the fullness of what Jesus has to offer to you. He actually has more. He has with Godness for you. He has shared life with you. Uh, this, this changes the way we think about religious stuff. Things like coming to RUF or going to church or reading your Bible or praying. That the point of those times is not just to learn something about God. It's not just to understand something about God. It's not just to be reminded what you're supposed to do for God. That the point of those things, our prayer for those things should actually be for God to give us an experience of communion with him. An experience of shared life, of with Godness. If you're like me, those kind of experiences have been few and far between in your life. But that's what's on offer for us. And I want to encourage you to ask Jesus to give you more of that. He came to answer that prayer. He wants to give you that kind of experience. I I think it also has uh, something to say about how we we think about our life. We, We tend to group things in our life in terms of like religious things over here and then other things over here. So in religious things, we've got singing certain kinds of songs and reading our Bible and uh, going to church, going to a Bible study, going to something like RUF. And that's like our spiritual stuff. That's our religious stuff. That's our faith stuff. And then over here we've got like friends and school and everything that's going on in, in, else in our life. But if, if Jesus came to give us with Godness, if he came to share his whole life with us, that means that God is with you just as much when you're having a Bible study than when you're in the basement of labor and studying and when you're running on the treadmill and we're going to party on Windfall or Paul 1 or wherever you're going on Wednesday night. Like, he's with you in all these things in the same way. Because he came to give you a life of communion. Next, Jesus comes to give us a life of light. I want to read a couple things here. Verse 4 says this, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then verse 9, The true light which gives light to everything was coming into the world. Jesus gives us a life of light. And light illuminates. Light shines. Light enables us to see things. So what does it help us to see? Well, the the claim of the Bible is that what Jesus came to show you, what he came to illuminate, is the fullness of who God is. And in fact, you can think of all of history. You can think of the whole story of the Bible and the history of the universe as this endeavor by God to reveal himself to the world. That the mission that he is on is a mission to show us himself and so Jesus is, is the ultimate act of this drama, of this story. That the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus is God's final stamp of saying, this is who I am, this is what I am like, and this is what I have done for you. This is how much I love you. And so we see in Jesus the representation of all the great glory of God. We see the glory of God, the creator. Of course, the claim here is that it's it's through Jesus that the world was made. And we see he's got the power. He's got the authority. He's the one walking on water. He's the one calming waves, right? We see in Jesus the glory of the purity of God. He's the perfect one. He's the sinless one. We see in Jesus the glory of truth. He is the living word made flesh. He is the embodiment of truth and the mouthpiece of God's truth. We see in Jesus the glory of the love of God. That he committed the ultimate act of love and his sacrifice for us because he wants to save us and to redeem us. Jesus is the picture 
of God's love. And one of the things that I love about this passage is that it's really honest about where this light of Jesus shines. Where does it shine? It shines in the darkness. It shines in the darkness. That means following Jesus doesn't mean looking like you have everything together in life. It doesn't mean acting right. It doesn't mean saying the right things. It means experiencing the light of the glory of God with you in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your anxiety, in the midst of your loneliness, in the midst of feeling misunderstood, in the midst of the ways that we hurt each other, in the midst of feeling excluded. That's where Jesus shines. His light actually shines in the darkness. We, we, we take that really seriously here, and it frees us to be the kind of friends that are vulnerable that share life with each other, that know each other. Of course, there are places where we would, frankly, rather the light not shine, right? Places in our hearts that we'd rather keep secret from God or from the world. Those things we've done, those addictions we have, those fantasies we have, those things in our past that we don't want to talk about, we don't want anybody to know, we don't want any part of that. And, of course, the good news for you that as you let the light of Jesus shine on those things, as you open up the fullness of your heart to him, he only gives you freedom. He only gives you love. He only gives you forgiveness. He gives you life. That's what it means that Jesus gives us a life of light. The light shines in the darkness. And the light's going to win. The darkness will not overcome it. Jesus gives us a life of communion and a life of light. Lastly tonight, Jesus gives us a life of grace. This is from verses 16 and 17. I'll read it one more time. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus came to give us a life of grace. And the picture that we get of this is adoption. Up in verse 12, for those who believed he gave the right to become children of God. That in spite of everything, God sees us. And chooses, us, chooses to make us his children. Chooses to relate to us as a loving father, as a perfect father, as a constant father, as a tender father. And of course the grace is this, we've done nothing to deserve that. We've done nothing to earn that kind of fatherly love. In fact, we do the opposite. We insist constantly by the way that we live our lives that we don't want life in Jesus. We're going to find it somewhere else. We're going to find it in success. We're going to find it in achievement. We're going to find it in internships. We're going to find it in relationships. We're going to find it in sex. We're going to find it in memories. We're going to find it somewhere. And in spite of that insistence, when we believe in him, he makes us his children. And he gives us the rights and the privileges of his children. His abiding love, which he promises to never take from us. The forgiveness, the freedom that comes from being saved from our sins in Jesus. The affection of a father and his constance with us, communion with him, the truth that he tells, he gives us life when there's nothing that we've done to deserve it. I think this is the aspect of Jesus' life that we actually have the hardest time with. I think this is the thing where if someone were to study Christianity and then to look at our lives, they would say, well, that doesn't make sense. If you believe that, it doesn't really feel like you're living in light of that truth. Like you've been given grace and love and forgiveness. Why, like why do you spit on that and insist that you can actually find love somewhere else? 
You've been embraced and accepted by the God of the universe. Why are you obsessed with finding acceptance from other people? God says we're enough because he has done enough for us. Why do you think you can earn being a good person by how you live your life? He's already made you his child. He's already given you life. He's given you everything. Receiving this life of grace starts with cultivating the gratitude for what God has done for us. And then starting to distance ourselves, to remove that part of our hearts that's determined to define ourselves by what we do, by what we achieve, by what we accomplish. I, I mentioned that Maggie and I have, have four daughters. Our, our third is named Caroline. She's two years old. She's the most precocious human ever to be born into the world. Uh, and, um, I, you know, there's always like a hit song of the summer. Her hit song of the summer was This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. It's a new hit. So it just came out. You may not know it. And um, <laughs> this was her favorite song of the summer, and she wanted uh, it to be sung to her every night at bedtime. I would ask her, what, what do you want to sing? And she would ask for This Little Light of Mine. So uh, we, we would sing it. And I did most of the singing. Uh, her favorite verse is verse 2, hide it under a basket. No, no I'm going to let it shine, right? And we're saying it's this it's a sort of uh, life with her is a little crazy. It's a little chaotic. These are peaceful moments often. These are tender moments. They're sweet. But when it comes to verse 2, hide it under a basket, no, uh, she sings the no. And she doesn't just sing the no. She, like, scrunches up her face. And she gets her mean voice. And she screams no as loud as you can. Hide it under a basket. No! I'm going to let it shine. And so I, I, I thought about Caroline, and, and, and as I, I went through this summer of experiencing this with her, it is, it is awesome. It's just awesome. It's hilarious, right? As I gone through this summer, and as I started thinking about John 1, uh, it's made me think about all those places in my life where I am tempted to find my life outside of Jesus. It's made me think about the respect I want from people around me. It's made me think uh, about the body I wish I had. It's made me think about the way that my family looks. It's made me think about the money and the acclaim and the accomplishment. All these things that I'm tempted to find my life in. And I wish I could just scrunch up my nose and get my mean voice and just say, No! No, I reject that. I'm going to find my life in Jesus. I wish I could say it that emphatically. Of course, what Jesus has done for us is he said no for us. But he didn't say no to distractions. He said no to everything good that he had. He had fullness of glory. And he said no to it. He had imperishable eternity. And he said no to it. He had intimacy with the Father in heaven. He said no to it. He said no to his very life in his death. Why would he say no so emphatically? He says no to his own life so that we might have life. He says no to say yes to us so that we might experience this life that he has to offer us because he loves us so much. So that's what we're going to do this semester. Each week in RUF, we're going to have a conversation. We're going to talk about what kind of life Jesus offers us and what it might look like to reach out and to take what's being offered to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so grateful that you came to give us life that you are not a God who is about teaching lessons, that you are not a God who is about making sure we know all the right stuff, that you are a God who cares about us, who loves us, who has come into this world of flesh and blood and sand and dirt and sweat and tears, and you've experienced it all because you want to give us life. Lord, I pray for these students, for my own heart, for my own family. 
that we would be able to grasp how great this life of love is and that we would have the courage to look at all the things that distract us and to say no and to take what you have to offer us. Lord, please be with these friends as they go out into these weeks. Please help them to remember that uh, you are with them wherever they go. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.